Faces come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow Exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times Somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago Just to up and leave it Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On The Wing podcast. Don't touch that dial. You are in the right place, but we're trying something a little bit new for your ears today. This is officially a Mother's Day takeover episode. And as you can guess, you're not listening to our regular host, Bob St. Pierre. Uh, So with you today, um, you're joined by myself, Marissa Jensen, um, I am the Conservation Leadership Program Manager for the organization and, and leading up our Women on the Wing initiative. And I'm joined by Rachel Bush, uh, Conservation Programs Manager for Private Lands. Yeah, we're excited for you to all be here today for this important episode. Um, so as you guys know, this coming Sunday is Mother's Day. And we're excited to have a show dedicated to all the incredible mothers who are leading our next generation of conservation leaders. We're also joined by two incredibly special guests as we talk about introducing our children to the world of conservation and the outdoors. We'll dive into our collective experiences in the field with our kids, discuss the realities and the struggles, and also the moments of incredible beauty we've shared because of these efforts. So sit back and turn up that volume as we celebrate Mother's Day Upland style. First, let's kick things off with a little introduction for our two guests um, so we can get to know one another a little bit better. With us today is Susan Feligi. Uh, Susan is on the PF and QF Board of Directors and is also a professor of wildlife ecology and management at the University of North Dakota. Susan, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your role with PF and QF, but then also some experiences, you know, as a mom? Sure. Thanks. And uh, thanks for including me today. So I'm on the PFQF uh, National Board of Directors. So I'm a volunteer, a, a passionate conservationist and an avid hunter, which I've been ever since I was a child. Um, my day job and my passions kind of blend as a um, professor at the University of North Dakota um, I have a five-year-old daughter, Kaylee, um, who is totally a mama's girl with a huge personality. And as I think Rachel and Marissa have experienced firsthand, um, she's, she, she's got that big personality. And I think she's more well-known than I am in many cases. Um, I am also about to have a little boy here in a little over a month. Um, and of course, I'm a, a dog mom because I have a, a th- almost three-year-old Labradoodle. Um, so I've got all kinds of mixes of fun uh, levels of parenting here in, in my household. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. I've seen from Rachel and my face is like, this was a surprise. So this is an extra special Mother's Day episode. How exciting. Well, thank you, Susan. Um, I also want to introduce our, our next guest here, um, Kata Miller. And uh, Kata is an incredible volunteer of ours. Um, She is the North Carolina's Women on the Wing Quail Forever chapter president. Uh, Kata, welcome. I think this is, is this your first time on the On the Wing podcast? Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, We're excited. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with the organization and as a mother. Well, um, I'm originally from Hungary 
And um, I've been in the States for way too long, um, originally for five years, but uh, I was in 2005. And we've, we've lived all over the place. And uh, we finally settled down in North Carolina in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, and um, yes, I, I did grow up in a city. So totally the opposite of hunting. Uh, but I loved the outdoors and um, love dogs. And that's pretty much what led me to hunting. And uh, I was just trying to find my people, my my female friends that uh, would do the same thing with me. And that's what led me to you, Marissa and Women on the Wing. And uh, and I'm so happy that through you and, and with Women on the Wing, I found my tribe. And that's how we are now officially a chapter in North Carolina. Um, I have three children, um, a 13-year-old son, an 11-year-old daughter, and a seven-year-old daughter. Uh, they're all, in a way, very much like me and very much not like me. Um, <laughs> and um, we live on 17 acres now. We used to live in the city, moved out just because we wanted to be closer to nature and the outdoors. Um, and we also have a lot of dogs. Um, I hold on. I we have five wired vishvas. We have one komondor, a mini tackle, and um, we also have a bunch of pigeons and some chickens and ducks and pheasants and a fish. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Oh. You are literally living my dream life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I feel like I am living my dream too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so you mentioned that you grew up in the city. Who who was the person, or how did you get introduced to the the outdoors? Then, what was kind of that draw to be outside and away from the city? I think it was my my uncle. He literally grew up in the woods, um, and he and my aunt bought a small. Um, property outside of Budapest that they planted with fruit trees and vegetables and their goal was to teach my sister and I that that fruits and vegetables don't come from the stores they come from the ground from trees um, and that's pretty much where we learn to climb trees and learn footprints in the snow um, and then my mom's family was from a village um, in the wine country in, in Hungary and we spent summers there which meant that my sister and our friends and cousins were in the woods throughout the day and would come home to eat and sleep. And uh, back in the city, not having a dog other than, I mean, we couldn't have any animals other than a hamster. Um, I used to pick up stray dogs and then hit them in my closet and <laughs> some miraculous way, my mom always found them. <laughs> and then, she ended up telling me that she was allergic to dogs and that's why we can't have them. And again, until I had dogs and turned out she wasn't allergic to them. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried all, like everything in my power to either be outside or walk my neighbor's dogs or just be around them. So that's pretty much how I ended up in loving the outdoors. Um, and I was lucky enough to marry someone who also likes the outdoors. And um, it took us a while to find our spot. Also moving to the city, um, I think that was one of those chapters in our lives that helped us understand that we definitely need to live in the, live in the country with our kids. 
do you think that, um, you know, that how you were raised and just the opportunities that you've had, how has that influenced your connection with your kids and wanting them to be raised in the outdoors? I think just me constantly taking them outside, wherever we lived, and we lived all over the place, um, I would take them with me. We would go for a walk. Having the dogs, you know, you have to take them outside. And I would just take the kids with me and and take them to the woods with me. And whether it was in a stroller or wrapped around on my back um, in a sling, we would just go together and 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 slowing down. That was my other biggest thing is that you know, walking with a toddler takes forever. And instead of pulling them and rushing them, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to slow down, get to their level, get to their pace and, and really see the world from their point and, and see the flowers or stomp on mushrooms because they have all these dust coming out of them. And just little things that really changed my, my view of, of the outdoors. Um, brought back a lot of memories with my uncle as well. He loved to collect mushrooms and 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 he also taught me a lot about bugs and footprints. And those were something that I ended up in. It just all came back and start talking to the kids about it. What do you think this footprint is, you know? And, and I think um, just having the kids really helped me get back to that the love of outdoors they're really shaping me to be a parent a parent who I want to be and who I am today it's it's beautiful and you make a really good point I mean the idea of slowing down and appreciating some of those things I mean life just moves at crazy speeds and Mm -hmm. there's so many things that we walk past that you know we just don't notice because we're busy and I feel like kids force us to stop and appreciate things sometimes that um, we might be in a hurry and might not want to appreciate that thing right at that moment, but it's really good for all of us to be reminded of that. Um, Susan, I see you nodding your head a lot too. I mean, is that kind of a similar experience that you've had with Kaylee and, um, you know, just experiencing things a little bit differently, you know, based on what she's noticing? For, for sure. I, I tease, you know, it's it's kind of like going through and getting a, a second first time at everything, if that makes sense. Um, because, you know, you're going through and the excitement and joy that little things happen to, to bring is, is really pretty cool. We were out setting up grouse blinds for some of our uh, surveys the other day. And, you know, Kaylee's looking at the puddles because everything's flooded right now here in eastern North Dakota and walking through these puddles. And she's like, look at the seaweed. And I was like, seaweed? <laughs> And she's like, yeah, look, there's little stuff in the water. And I was like, well, that's, you know, and she's sitting there staring at it, poking things with sticks. And, you know, I wanted to just go set the blind up. I was charging across the, the prairie and, you know, we stopped and did that. And then, of course, the smelling of the flowers, the stepping on things or the picking everything. I'm I'm pretty convinced we've moved two or three tons of rock um, because everything looks sparkly or cool or could be the next art project. Um, and so I, I always find mysterious rocks in everybody's backpacks and pockets and things like that. So I, I do think it gives you that chance to slow down. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, a hunt I took Kaylee on that we were, we were late for everything. You know, I was trying to rush and she wanted to stop and like discover the deer poop along the trail. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So we're looking at this, you know, um, it turned out to be a really successful and awesome hunt and, and whatnot, but 
it forced me to stop and go, okay, why are you really here? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's something that we, you know, in the busyness of life, just sometimes take for, for granted and um, recognizing all those incredible moments are really important. Um, you know, Susan, did you have a, a vision in your mind, you know, before being a mom of, you know, what it would look like to have in the kid, a kid in the outdoors? Uh, you know, Kata, I know you mentioned this too, but, you know, my son is 13, almost 14 now. And I look at some of the younger kiddos these days that go along on all these trips and in backpacks and, you know, upland hunting and going in these blinds. And that is probably not not probably it's not the experience we had <laughs> when he was little um and seeing all the cool things that are available right now it looks like there's you know more opportunities to to get some of those kiddos outdoors but i also know what we have in our mind isn't necessarily how things play out so what was what was that vision for you as a mom and then kind of how has how has that uh progressed in reality i honestly can't say that i had a vision of what it was um, I'll say I, I probably came to motherhood with a little more resistance in the sense of, you know, I'm a pretty independent person. I'm a strong workaholic. I, I, I love to be able to go and just do things and how fitting a kid into my life was going to work was really a, a hard concept for me. Um, it was something that challenged my identity in many, many ways. And, you know, while Chris and I were incredibly enthusiastic to make the choice and have a kid, it was something I don't think I even knew how to embrace or what to envision. He had very clear visions about what he thought that would look like. Mm -hmm. um, he was expecting a daddy's girl because that's exactly what I am. You know, he gets this daughter and she's, you know, I carried her these nine months. Now it's his turn. And she has very different opinions about that. <laughs> she is, she is going with mom and she is letting the world know that. And she was pretty much that way from about 18 months on. Um, that it was abundantly clear she was she was going with mom. Um, we did buy the backpacks, and I feel like they have not gotten the use because I have front-loaded her, shouldered her. I've slung her over top my shoulder in some cases, under my arm. Um, it, you know, the backpack was a cool concept, and it worked well when she was little. Chris actually could carry her around a little more in that, but I feel like I've gotten more workouts and carrying her in different ways than I anticipated. Um, especially back in like the, the, you know, breastfeeding, nursing this kid, I walked miles sometimes feeding her while, you know, just carrying her in front. And I gave Chris the gun and was like, carry this, you know, cause I can't carry the, you know, the baby at the same time, but I wasn't going to let it slow me down from going someplace. So I, I think, I think he had more challenges because he had a vision of this little girl that was going to follow him around in a bunch of ways. And I had no idea what to expect, but, um, it's, it's been a really fun thing. Um, it's just been an adventure. And every day, I don't know what to expect because she's she's her own big personality. She has an amazing big personality. <laughs> she is our honorary Women on the Wing member. So, <laughs> Kata, what about you? I mean, did you have a, a vision in your mind prior to your kiddos? And, you know, what does that kind of look like now? Not at all. I mean, that's, that's the same thing what Susan was saying, too. Like, I did, totally did not... I, I didn't even think of having children. Actually, I thought about having children. I didn't think about having a husband because um, <laughs> <laughs> I was raised by a single mom. So I didn't think you need a husband to have children. <laughs> and it, it, they totally um, changed me. I mean, other than I always loved being outdoors and 
but I never thought about how much they're going to change my perspective. And what Susan was saying too about the nursing while you're walking, absolutely. It's something that you just you just figure it out and, and learn how to do it or change diapers. Um, <laughs> that was the other thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think they're, they shaped me to be a mom as much as I shape, I'm, I am shaping them to be who they are right now. And yeah, I absolutely didn't think that I would um, slow down this much, that I would say, you know what? I'm not cooking tonight. We are having cereal because we're just going to stay outside and, and, and burn wood or poke coyote poop or something, you know, go fishing, which I do not like. My son does. And, but I'll go with him because that is something that I want him to enjoy. I want to be outside and seeing that passion. And I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want them to lose that. I want to encourage that as much as I can, even if I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I, you made the comment of, you know, you shape them as much as they shape you. And Susan, you, you made the comment of, um, you know, it's being a mom is, is an identity. It's really, I mean, it's, it's something that you become, whether you were ready for it or not, or expected it or not, but it's, um, it really is an identity. It shapes you in ways that you could never expect until it's there. Um, did that, did that surprise you guys? I mean, was that something that it just really wrapped your world, how much it's changed who you are as a person? Yeah, I, I would say it has um, for sure. But at the same token, I still I, there's still me there. And that was yeah. something that was really important to me. You know, the, 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 I'm a wildlife biologist, you know, I'm a mentor, a professor, um, but I, I'm this avid outdoor person with um, these conservation values. And, you know, now I'm getting to share those with somebody else and get to watch it, like I said, through her eyes and kind of as a second first time. But it's shaped me in a lot of different ways. Patience, um, defining success, uh, you know, and just some of my own strengths even. I, you know, I, I used to think there were certain ways I was very strong. Now, like, you know, when you go sleep deprived for days on end and you still can go out there and do certain things and you're just like, wow, you know, that you, you discover new things about yourself that um, definitely test your limits. Um, some days those are a little tough. Um, lessons to learn, but uh, some of them are some of the most beautiful experiences at the same time. I totally agree with that because I, I I'm always the I'm extremely organized. Everything has its place. Everything has its time. We we literally every Saturday night we sit down to write our menu for the week, and that's how we shop. And then and then here are the kids and and the dogs that are just say you know what, no, let's just live for the moment. <laughs> and live for today and that's when those serial nights come in when it's like you know what then then let's just let's just live for that second where we enjoy the moment and and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow to see that every day is a new day and every day i it's 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 fantastic um we went out hunting and i took out a couple of dogs and the last dog I took out, uh, by the time we took him out, there was no bird on the field. We were on a preserve. But when I let him out, he jumped out of the car with such a joy. And 
he just taught me so much about, you know, it's 4 p.m. I'm out of the car. Let's go hunting. <laughs> and just that passion and happiness in him just shows how much how much we need to learn from them, too. Not just from the kids, from the dogs, too, is that just enjoy the moment. Do what's best for you today and just don't worry about anything else. And then just the slowing down, enjoying the moment, living in today. It's like I tell people, be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> be a dog, that. be a kid, just enjoy. Don't worry about all the big things. And while you can on the side, but try to focus more on, on today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our organization has, has talked for many years um, about our, our No Child Left Indoors initiative. Um, and we've since, you know, expanded that to Paths of the Uplands, knowing that we really need to um, provide opportunities for anyone and everyone wanting to get involved in the outdoors. Um, you hear about doctors, you know, physicians prescribing time outdoors um, and the importance that around that, that's really, I feel like amplified, um, you know, in this last decade even. Um, you know, Susan, what do you what do you think the biggest benefits of raising a kid with for a love um, and an appreciation for the outdoors is? What's what's the most impactful piece of that? Well, I think stepping away from the hustle and bustle, you know, trying to teach them that that's not that's not really what we should be striving for. I, I you know, I think we all need I, I, I've seen sometimes you talk about, um, you know, the vitamin N being, you know, vitamin nature kind of thing. Um, I think we really need that. So I think here in Grand Forks, we have this one uh, preschool daycare kind of place and they've brought logs in so the kids can play on logs and all of this, like make it an outdoor thing. And it's like, my kid doesn't really need that because everything around us, we live out of town, you know, she doesn't know anything different than going out and playing outside, you know, some of the more uh, traditional play sets and things like that are more the novelty to her than the other way around. But I, I think it builds a lot of resilience, a confidence, you know, I think we can all speak for those interacting with my daughter. I mean, she has no shortage of independence, confidence, but her curiosity, um, I'm hoping I'm teaching her there's a place to escape and recharge, you know, um, just basic exploration, resilience, um, and then, of course, the value of life and wild places, you know, when you get to sit down and just, you know, watch, watch the birds or listen to the birds calling or, you know, wake up where the sun rises. You know, I, I think there's so much to that that rejuvenates you and it rejuvenates you in, in so many different ways. And kids, you know, they need to play in the dirt. They need those sensory things. You know, they build up immunity. I mean, sometimes we don't like it. The dirt's going in the mouth or whatever, but, you know, or you watch them play in something and then they eat that snack and you're like, well, I probably should have washed their hands or at least something here, you know, um, but I, they're building so many different things. And I, I think, I think it also teaches them not to be reliant upon technology either. Yeah. Um, you know, they're stepping away from that. So there's, there's so many things. And I think they're things that will reappear later in her life that hopefully she'll, she'll appreciate and will make her stronger and more successful. Yeah. You know, kind of building on that, do you feel like there are certain life lessons that, you know, she's learning and Kata, your kids are learning that you believe or really hope um, are going to carry on into other areas of their life? Yeah, I, I, I want Kaylee to be confident, independent, 
I want her always to be curious so she never stops learning, you know, um, and I want her to be resilient. You know, the world's got a lot of challenges. Just because you have a big blog in front of you, you, you shouldn't let that stop you, you know, um, and so I want her to appreciate those type things and have those skills that, that as an adult, she can rely on. Yeah. Kata, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah. I was just thinking about my, my 13 year old son who is absolutely not in prenage. He's, he's a teenager now, hundred percent teenager. My 11 year old is, <laughs> <laughs> I have never, I, we told him, I said, you know, we know how you feel because we've been there. We've done it. But you have no idea how we feel because none of us have done this. We've never been a parent of a 13-year-old. And But to, to see him, we, so we took him, he made it to the uh, middle school uh, shotgun team this year. And um, to see him shoot 190 at the tournament, and that was mind-blowing. Just um, the fact that they're learning their the school is teaching them about gun safety, how to handle guns. Um, they're taking them to competitions and, and tournaments. And then we took him hunting. And the first time he shot his first quail, his dog retrieved it to me, but <laughs> he was happy. <laughs> and, and during dinner, he looked at our meal and he says, huh, I provided food. And that was something that, yes, you did. We went out there, we hunted, we, you shot the bird. My seven-year-old then cleaned it because she thinks this is the best thing ever. Um, and I was thinking what Susan was saying about, you know, you touched so many dirty things and here's my seven-year-old cleaning a bird and then taking her goldfish and shoving it in her mouth. And, <laughs> and it's like, oops, um, all right, but what won't kill you will make you stronger, right? And <laughs> and it is just it is amazing to see that they're getting it. They may not they may not understand the fact that in the future I will have to go out and hunt and that's how I'm going to provide for my family, but that they actually understand the fact that if we go out hunting, then we're going to have a freezer full of meat and we can have all kinds of dinners. It's not just about what some people would say that you're just mindless murderers and trophy hunters. And no, we're we're eating. We want to provide good food for the table for our families. And they get that. They get that at 13, at seven, at 11, at five, right? They get it at all ages. And I think it's so important to teach them that this is what it's all about. Saving the environment and doing everything that we can so then we can provide for ourselves. Yeah, it, it's the the health benefits of wild game too and and eating fresh and you know gardening and all of that is is so incredible. I I have to laugh though the first time that my son we made uh quail, he liked it and he wrote in his field journal that it was good but it needed more salt. And that's <laughs> I'm like cook now. I'm like, well, I have a little bit more salt. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Kata, what you were kind of talking about, we, you know, in my house, we kind of call it learning through osmosis and Doritos. 
because, um, you know, I guess for my family, you know, snacks, and maybe this is the same for yours, snacks are an absolute necessity when we go outside, whether we're hunting or fishing. And I say, we say Doritos because that's kind of our, you know, guilty pleasure. It They come out more <laughs> during ice fishing because the crunching of the bag isn't, you know, as, as troublesome as if you're sitting in a turkey blind or something, but that's why we call it Doritos. But the idea, you know, really comes from those situations, it, you know, where either you or your child are just on the verge of a breakdown and you're grabbing for snacks to try to, you know, ward off this meltdown that's coming. Um, you know, so the, between those moments of chaos and, you know, for at least for my family, there's always these conversations that happen, you know, whether we're sitting in the blind or we we duck hunt a lot with my daughter. She's not hunting yet, but she comes along with us and she's got two biologists for parents. and so a lot of the things we talk about are we're calling off bird songs like, oh, there's a bobolink singing that way, or do you hear the marsh wren? Or we're talking about, you know, why birds are migrating or photo period or these, th you know, these concepts that as biologists are just dinner talk table. Um, but then you also, you know, have those periods of meltdown and disinterest, you know, they're like, I'm not listening to anything you're saying. And, you know, as a parent, I struggle with, gosh, is she, is she even listening to anything I'm saying? You know, but then, you know, it might not be that day, it might not be that week, but sometime in the future, like these little light bulbs go off and your child surprises you. And lo and behold, they were listening to everything, you know, you were talking about out there, pointing out in nature. Um, have you guys had any of those first? I mean, do you have a, a guilty pleasure in the, you know, in, in the outdoors? And then do you, have you had any of those moments where, you know, you just, you didn't think your children were listening to you. Are they really absorbing what I'm hoping they absorb only to find out, you know, they are. Um, Susan, go ahead. do you have, I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first off, snacks are an absolute must. Snacks, and then we always have to have like any more baby dolls and dinosaurs and other things. So my pack is always full of mystery things. Um, what Kaylee thinks we need and what I think we need are vastly different, which oftentimes means I'm cold or something else because we've had to pack that stuffed animal or a whole bag of dinosaurs to entertain us. But um, yeah, we, we do more sweets and things like that. Um, we have a treat bag I always keep in the pack that is my like, okay, things are going bad. We need to have this fun moment. Let's stop and eat either Reese's or whatever cho chocolate things, because that's probably more my sweet thing, um, <laughs> which Kaylee has adopted. But like, there's a bag of something like that always in, in my bag, you know, that's good treats like that. Um, yeah, we try to think about what noise it's making. But at this point, sometimes when you're sitting in a blind, the crinkling for a moment is better <laughs> than the screaming that might ensue. So I'm good with like, open the bag, just open the bag, you know, um, you'll be safer that way. But I've also noticed Kaylee picking up. So um, like you, Rachel, we got two biologists in the family. My husband's also um, a biologist and also faculty at the university. So she, she gets a lot of interesting shop talk around her. Um, I've heard her correct her classmates and her teachers about birds, that that's not the right bird. Um, she runs to the window a lot of times and will be like, mommy, there's a morning dove. And the next thing I know, like everything crashes in the living room because the dog's racing to the window to see what is at the window because it's clearly exciting. Um, there's things like that. But she also picks up some other things that maybe throw people off. Um, my husband loves trail cam pictures. And so he'll be sifting through them, you know, and always talking about what he's seeing. Well, we went to uh, that Slippery Ann viewing, um, elk viewing area. It's over in Montana, um, part of the Charles M. Russell um, refuge and there's it's just, so this is an area it's off limits to hunting draws huge crowds 
we're, we were there for a, a conference. And so we're like, well, let's go check this out. It was during kind of prime um, season for them to be uh, calling. So I thought that'd be cool. You can get close encounters and this big bull elk comes out. Okay. And there's all these people there. Some probably hunt some, some not. And my daughter's screaming, mommy, that's a shooter. That's a shooter. You know? And I'm like, boy, she sounds just like her dad right there. You know, the excitement that came off there. Um, her other thing is when we do get a deer or something, she has this dance that's we've, we've got venison and she'll sing and dance and whatever. Um, so she connects to food, um, quite a bit as well. And she, she helps make the sausage and things like that, but probably her most recent one where she was paying attention, um, Marilyn Vetter, new CEO was actually just here in Grand Forks cause she's an alum from university of North Dakota. And, um, we were talking a bunch of stuff. And so she asked a little bit at, at times about Marilyn's job and, you know, the CEO, what does that mean? Things like that. Well, a couple of days after Marilyn left, um, one of my students sent a message about these prairie chickens because we have prairie chickens and sharp tails we're, we're um, surveying. And we finally found like a third prairie chicken because they've been, you know, starting to really drop off and there's not many of them. And I, I said, wow, I'm so excited about this, this prairie chicken you know, but I'm also so sad, you know, and she, she asked me why. And I said, well, the habitat's not here. You know, this is an example of where it's so important, you know, the different conservation things. And I said, you know, you were asking about Maryland's job. Well, that organization does a lot. It's the habitat organization. It's all about that. And I said, you know, mommy's involved with that because it's, it's about habitat. And she, she cutely asked me, she goes, so what's my job with pheasants forever then? And so she's just thinking about that role. And I was like, wow, you, you want to start contributing. You know, that was one of those moments. I was like, you know, for a five-year-old to be thinking about how she could contribute to protect the birds was, was pretty cool. Um, kind of left me a little bit speechless. My daughter, when Howard was still on, I don't think she had ever met Howard, but we talked about, you know, Howard's role. And I don't know for how long she's like, well, I'm going to have Howard's job when I grow up, I'll just, I'll just be the boss of PFQF, you know, so, so it must be a theme. For sure. Kat, did you guys, does your family have any go-to snacks or those aha moments? Our, uh, my go-to snack for both kids and dogs is honey stick. It, and I, I always buy as much as possible. I usually buy the whole store um, and then just give it to people too, because it's just a tiny little stick of honey that is fantastic for emergencies um i definitely pack salty and sweet snacks just so have they have options whatever they want usually even though i have multiple different options none of them are good but the honey <laughs> stick is always the best um it's good for the dogs as well if they're very they start to get a little tired then i just shove it in their mouth and squeeze it squeeze it in their down their throat and they're good to go. Um, and then my aha moment was pretty much, you know, with, with the 13 year old, again, I keep going back to him and my 11 year old because of that teenage years where you can't even see their face because they're in their phones and social media and they care so much about what others think of them. And, and, and then every now and then they, they just tell me to pull over because, because the sunset is beautiful over the mountain. And then it's just one of those moments like, oh my gosh, do you, did you notice that there are mountains here? It's not, <laughs> we're not in Roblox world. <laughs> and, and it is just, it is amazing where, where they say my son 
as the weather starts to get warmer, he says, I just want to sleep outside on the patio. And, and I ask him why it's cold. And he's like, yeah, but have you seen the stars? And, and again, it's like, oh, you notice these things. And, and even though, I mean, I feel like I am constantly telling them, look outside or go outside or do something outside, outside. And they're like, no, no, no. And I just want to be on my phone or in my room by myself and be miserable. Then they, they end up surprising me with that, where it's like, oh, we have to stay up late tonight because of the shooting star meteor shower thing or whatever is going to happen tonight. Or, or they tell me that, oh, did you hear that frog? That's whatever kind of frog. It's a bullfrog <laughs> or that's a whatever. I don't know what frog. And, and I'm like, how do you even know? So it, it, at the end of the day, even though I don't think that they pay attention or they listen, they do have their little research where when they're outside and they find something and, and they do the research and they figure out what kind of a frog it is or what kind of a bird sound they heard. Um, we've had one night we're sitting outside and we, at 10 o'clock, we hear this horse and there's no horse around us. And then my daughter, my 11 year old finds out that it's a, a screeching owl. I'm like, oh, interesting. Never even heard of a screeching owl. <laughs> but now I know we have one. And it is amazing that they're the one that actually find these out. So they do at the end of the day, even though we don't think that they listen, they do pick up here and there a couple of information and then they can surprise us with that. Marissa, you're nodding. I'm assuming you, do you have any good ones or? Oh, I just, and I'm laughing the whole time, you know, the definitely the, the broody 13 year old, you know, <laughs> in the room. And, um, but it is, you know, amazing. We just, you know, my son just went on his first official turkey hunt uh, a couple weekends ago. And he's, he's one that I, you know, haven't been sure if he wants to hunt or not. And it's, you know, just trying to kind of grapple with some of those expectations for him. And um, he, he wasn't successful in the sense that he, he was able to shoot a turkey, they just wouldn't, you know, commit enough. But the things that he saw and, and the things that he experienced. And at first I, I didn't think that he would come out of it with a, you know, the mindset that he wanted to go again. It was cold. It was windy. It was, you know, a lot of things that didn't go right the first day that went better the second day, but still it's, it's tough. You know, kids have an expectation of being successful in the sense that they're going to bring something home. Um, and we have that problem too, a lot of times. So, uh, but he, he picked up on things, you know, the different wildflowers that he noticed, um, the different types of birds that were in the area. Um, and it's, it's just amazing what they learn and then take to school and teach to other kids. And I think that's the thing that I find inspiring with our kids as they're being raised outdoors is, um, what they're learning goes beyond, you know, what we're teaching them. They're teaching their friends and their teachers sometimes, <laughs> even if their teachers don't want them to teach them that, uh, you know, it, that education goes far outside of where we even know we're impacting. And, and I think that's just an incredible thing that, that we don't even count on. Yeah. Those, the moments teaching where they learn something from us and then they're teaching their peers 
So I live in a, you know, I live in town, but we have some green space and we have an urban coyote population. I see them all the time when I'm walking the dogs in the green space and the green space happens to come up pretty close to the elementary school. And I will get notices, you know, from the school like, oh, the coyote has been observed, you know, please don't let your children walk home or we'll make sure they get home safely. So I got one of those a couple weeks ago. And I, as soon as my daughter got home, I was like, Hey, did they talk to you about the coyote? You know, that she's like, yeah. She's like, I just told everybody, don't worry about it. The coyote's not going to eat you. You're overreacting, you know? And so <laughs> these are the conversations that we have at the table when we get these emails. I'm like, you don't have to worry about the coyote. It's just out there. It lives in the green space. It's eating ground squirrels and rabbits, you know? And so then she takes that information back and she just shares it with her peers at school. And so it's good. I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, we're kind of, I think, as a society, we're instilling a fear for like these predators, but then, you know, we're, we're counterbalancing it with our children that we send to school that tell them to just don't worry about it. So, um, so yeah, I think it's good. They, they, uh, they share this information with their peers too. Um, I think, you know, we, I think a lot of what you guys just talked about is those aha moments, those things that kind of surprise us. And, you know, we're pleasantly surprised by, you know, the things our children are absorbing that we don't realize but I think, you know, on the other side is that is we have to, you know, there's some realities to having and raising children outside. Um, you know, we see social media is the, the bigger, biggest liar to us all. You know, everything smiles and rainbows. Um, but we know that, you know, we're not seeing the tears and frustration. Um, we're not seeing the snacks that aren't right or we didn't pack the right snacks or the sunscreen that got left home or the water bottle um, or the hunt that didn't go as planned. And, you know, they make you question, will this, will I ever get my child back outside again? Um, can we just, can we kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and let our listeners know um, some of these struggles? Because I think, you know, at least for me, talking through it with other people, realizing I'm not alone um, in these struggles is helpful. So if, if you guys are willing to share some of your struggles, just so, you know, people listening understand that they're not the only ones out there having struggles maybe with, with getting your children outside or bringing them along or making them wake up at two in the morning. <laughs> Susan, how, how about you? I know your daughter's with you everywhere. From my perspective, it looks like it's all smiles and sunshine and nothing goes wrong. And I'm a little jealous of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish it was that easy for me. <laughs> oh, my list for this is so long. I, I don't even, I struggle with how to, how to start. Um, no, it is not all, um, you know, Skittles smiles and everyone's happy. Um, and there are days where dragging Kaylee along is, is a tough one. Even yesterday was a, a good one. I needed to go out and do some quick evening things and was dragging her along and it was, no, I don't want to do that. But then she's laughing and happy when we get there. But, um, one of our biggest fails, my husband and I had early on, well, I guess there's a couple I can tell early on at, at a couple stages here that might be be helpful. Um, my first hunt, turkey hunt, um, was on Mother's Day um, when Kaylee was just a few months old, and we were we were headed out. We bundled her up. We had everything we needed, but it, I mean it was cold in North Dakota. Or, you know, mid-April is not exactly um, not exactly warm at all, and 
we get out there, we do hear a distant gobble. So we're like, okay, we'll move up this ridge. We're late to begin with. Like, I mean, sunrise has long passed, but <laughs> we're doing this anyway, right? And we get out there and all of a sudden she just starts screaming. And I'm like, what's wrong? You know? And I mean, she's screaming, clear, clearly upset. And my husband was actually carrying her that morning and he holds, pulls back like the, the warm outfit she had and all of a sudden looks and her diaper has blown out everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Now, I was wise enough that my backpack had a change of clothes, but I'm not sure if I had enough for like the layers to be truly appropriate for what we were doing. But there we are, you know, it's maybe 40 degrees and we are stripping our child down. We are wiping her down and changing her because she's just covered in poop. Um, that was like one of those first eye-opening moments of, oh my gosh, like, are we really yeah. going to do this? And can we do this? <laughs> you know, a little while later, she lost the mitten she had. So we were one mittened as well on the way back, but we had blankets, we wrapped her up and no turkey was seen after that or heard. <laughs> um, but we made it back to the warmth and we got a nice walk in and we had some real reality checks. Our second big fail was when she was probably about 15 months old and you know we were ice fishing and uh, she might not have even been that old maybe maybe more like 12 or 13 months old but she was ice fishing she had these cute little sunglasses on because I'm protecting her eyes and I'm doing all that right well I'd put a little bit of sunscreen on but I didn't really think about it and we were out there all day and it was beautiful it was just starting to really nice sun a little bit of warmth and you're feeling excited because finally maybe there's a hope that winter might be drawing a little bit of a, a close in North Dakota. And I never thought about the sunglasses or the sun, the intensity. She didn't, she was giggling. She was having fun. We had a great day. Her face was a little red. Well, that night and into the next morning underneath where the sunglasses, she got a horrible sunburn and like, it just started to appear and then it kept getting worse and worse. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and Chris and I are like, off to the dermatologist like what did we do we just ruined our child's whatever the dermatologist actually told us well this is probably a good lesson to have learned now because you're going to be a lot better coming forward and one sunburn isn't the last of the world but oh my gosh we felt like the worst parents in the world like you just didn't think about some of these things you know and it, it she wasn't visibly showing signs of anything you know and and so that was pretty tough and then one of the other ones that was probably another real fail was I got a coveted North Dakota gun tag for mule deer. So I had a buck mule deer tag. And um, as Rachel knows, you know, to really do it right, you got to hike in a little ways and get off the road and the beaten trail. And Kaylee was about three um, at the time. And Chris, we, we went as a family the first day. That was great. We had fun, but we didn't see a lot of um, animals, some doe, um, but nothing really we could connect on. Uh, so the next day he's like, you know, how about I stay back with her for a little bit? I'll connect with you, you know, after lunch um, and I'll come meet you out there. Cell phones are sketchy at best in this particular area. So you're, you're hoping that that connection will happen appropriately. And um, I ended up, I got on this beautiful mule deer and I, I connected, made a perfect shot. Everything was great. Stood on top of the ridge, sent Chris a message with my coordinates and was like, I'm here. So he packs her all up. And I mean, it's North Dakota. It's the first week of November. It's cold. It's starting to get colder, but it wasn't North Dakota cold yet. Um, and so, you know, he, he got clothes on her, but 
he's not always the best at maybe judging what she needs versus what he needs. Um, and he's the one hiking. She's being carried, you know, on some of this. So kind of interesting. So it started off, they left the truck and it was sunny. Um, by the time he got the 3.8 miles into me, it was sleeting, a wet snow. It was blowing. It was nasty. The temperatures were dropping. She's screaming and crying, upset, frozen. And the only picture she and I have together, I have her bundled in my coat. She's in tears. I've basically covered her face up because I didn't want to see the pictures with the tears balled up. And I just immediately wrapped her up. I left Chris the deer, which I'd started to deal with, but I wanted a few pictures, you know. So, you know, I left him that and I was like, I'll see you at the truck. And I, I, I had to carry her in the front of me for three miles. And this is a three-year-old as close to my body as I could. It took me forever. He literally butchered the deer, packed this big mule deer out by himself and beat me back to the truck. Cause I was so stinking slow carrying her in the front, having to stop constantly. And I'm not sure any of us quite, I mean, it took us a few days to all recover from that one. Yeah. And I thought after that, Oh my gosh, she's never going to go with us. Um, <laughs> that's clearly not been the case, but the tears were, coming from everybody on that one. <laughs> yeah. so there was there have been those moments for sure yeah no and i mean no one likes to go through those you know at the time but you know i think it is i don't know if refreshing is the right, right word but i think it's comforting to know that you know as mothers taking our kids outside or even you know as parents in general everyone struggles, but I don't think it's necessarily, you know, that's not a reason to give up. And I, you know, like you said, Susan, you, you get, it's horrible when it's happening. It might stick with you for a little while, but if you just keep at it, I think we'll, you know, you see the rewards of taking your kids outside, but Kata, any, uh, any behind the curtains looks from your family on? Yeah, I had, I had one when, um, we, I've learned from traveling with my kids at an early age, um, and I was we were flying back and forth uh, to Hungary, that um, I didn't think a sitting hunt would be very good to start with. So we went upland hunting, and um, we were upland hunting. I can't remember if it was Texas or Kansas, but it was big field. Uh, we parked the cars. Some of the kids wanted to stay by the cars. Um, some wanted to come with us, including my two-year-old, who I wrapped on my back. And we start trotting. And she was around 40, 45 pounds at that time. And thank God, about half a mile into the hunt, she says, I'm done. I went out. But we were half a mile from the cars. And, and I just unwrapped her and I said, go. <laughs> and... I had some other hunters saying, like, you're going to let your two-year-old walk the car? And I was like, well, I'm not walking back. And here is the wrap. Take it back. Kids are behind the car. I can see you. And, I mean, you could every now and then see this two-year-old in the tall grass just pop up to see where the cars were. And it was one of those moments, too, where I knew nothing's going to happen to you in between that half a mile. I can see you. And I waited until she made it to the cars. Um, and that was just one of those moments where until this point, I could carry you. Now you're becoming that age where you have your mind set up and you might want to come with us. You may not. And and luckily, she made it back to the car. We went on our hunt. Um, and that was also the time when coming from Hungary, we have a, we have different laws when you want to own a gun. So I wanted to make sure because... Charlie, my husband, is from Texas, so we must have guns, must hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and 
he was like, no, we got to take our son hunting. And I told him that I want to make sure he understands what it means to have a gun. So I actually had our son. And at that time, he was probably eight years old. I made him carry a gun. It was open, unloaded. But I wanted him to understand that when we go hunting, you have a responsibility. And gun safety for me was extremely important. So he carried he carried his gun, unloaded. And the first couple of hunts, he was smiling and happy and walking off a day. The smile started to kind of wind off. And, and by the end of the day, he just put the gun down and he says, I never want to hunt again. And I just went like, oh, my God, what have I done? I ruined him. I've ruined his love for outdoors. And, and that when, when my husband then stepped in saying, you know what, how about I, I help him shoot the gun? <laughs> and, and with that, we, we slowly went back to him loving hunting again, because I, I, I didn't pay attention to the fact that he's, he's still a kid. And I love being outdoors. I enjoy hunting. I love, I love watching the dogs work, but I cannot force it onto a child. And and we have to be so careful about that to pay attention to what the kids actually want because they may not want to hunt. My mm-hmm. my middle one, she loves to be outdoors, but she couldn't care less about shooting or or hunting. She she's okay coming hunting with us, but it's not her passion. I can see it in her. I can see her passion being outside. She loves to disappear in the woods, but it's not. For her, it's not about hunting. And I think just me also having him carry that gun, pushing him to that point where he says, I don't want to hunt. We got to listen to that because that was this moment of, oh, my God, I cannot believe I just ruined him. And thank goodness he's he loves he loves he really enjoys hunting. He goes deer hunting with his dad and, and comes upland hunting with us. But um, we have not tried sitting hunting like turkey hunting or duck hunting, even dove hunting. Dove hunting is easier in our field now because they can go as they please. But uh, <laughs> I think I think moving with the kids is also in slightly better and easier, but we have to pay attention to that too, that they, we can we can push them to the, their limit. Yeah, we've ta- we've tried, we actually started our daughter duck hunting. She, she doesn't hunt, but that's the one thing she'll come out with us on fairly consistency consistently. And it's because we're like, you can do whatever you want. Talk as much as you want until we say, you know, quiet there, the birds are coming and then you have to hold still. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of come our, become our family tradition. We have a, a friend that has twin daughters and they come out too. And it, the, the kids, you know, the girls play kind of in the cattails and we hunt and we know there's some sacrifices to the, probably the quality of the hunts or, you know, what we might harvest because, you know, in one instance, we're like, man, the birds are, they're really not committing. Well, we turn around and look and one of the girls had taken her camo like over shirt off and had a fluorescent pink shirt on just (laughs) frolicking behind. And we're like, that's why the birds aren't coming in. But I mean, they were just having the best time of their lives back there, finding leopard frogs and, you know, weaving cattails together. But yeah, the, the bright pink shirt. And we're just like, can you put the, can you put the camel back on, please? So. 
just kind of thinking, going a step backwards, and I know we talked about it a little bit ago, um, you know, some of the distractions that exist with our kids these days, you know, the screens, Kata, you talked about social media and phones and all of that. I mean, are you guys finding that it is more and more challenging to kind of peel your kiddos away from that um, allure and that distraction and get outside and totally unplug? I mean, is that something that you you struggle with at all? Um, I think what I've noticed with mine is that in a way I do, um, but what I was saying earlier too is like going fishing. I don't like to fish, but my son loves it. And when he says, hey, mama, let's go fishing. I'll teach you how to do it. I'll just put a smile on my face and I say, okay, let's do it. And I think that is just me going with them, going, going into the woods and, and looking at their secret places. Is, is something that when we do it with them, they want to do it more. It's, it's how the, 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 the saying goes, you know, teach by example, I'll go with them. I'll, I'll go outside. I, I'm the one that will start poking the coyote poop so they can, they can also poke it and see what that coyote ate. And just looking at things and just exploring, if we do it with them, they want to do it more. Um, they don't want to just go outside because I don't think a lot of kids, especially today's kids, know what to do outside. Mm -hmm. And just by us going outside with them and doing it with them, they want to do it more. And they love love the, the bonding time with us. That's what I tell my husband, too, is that sometimes you don't want to ask your son to go with you to build a fire because you want his help. But you know that that way he's going to think you need his help and you guys can do something together. And when you do it together, you're bonding, mm -hmm. you're teaching. And it's so important in today's world where you want to do stuff with your kids, because we, we were talking about earlier too, that this whole life is so rushed. We're rushing through school and work and after school activities. And then all of a sudden your kids just graduated and, and you missed out on everything and I don't I don't want to miss out on that I rather I rather my 13 year old son tells me at, when he's sick that he wants to sleep in my bed because he needs that mama you know he needs mama to fix puking <laughs> but it is something that I can get that from him because we go fishing and I'll do the things that he wants to do outside that's one of the things that I'll do if they don't want to go out. I say, okay, you pick what we're going to do outside. And no matter what it is, we will be doing that. And if it is fishing or hiking or collecting bugs, then that's what we'll do. It doesn't matter what it is as long as we're doing it together outside. And yeah. that's so far that worked really well. Yeah, I, I love that. And for my daughter, first, we don't have family anywhere close. Um, so in many ways, we don't have a lot of choices about really what to do with our kid, you know, when you go on these adventures and, um, you know, Rachel knows too, I mean, some of the things you got to travel around North Dakota to get to some places you, you can't leave the kid off with just anyone, like, and especially if you don't have grandparents around, um, and add to it, not only do I, I love to hunt, I also have field work all over the state of North Dakota and historically even as far North as Churchill, Manitoba, cause Kaylee's even been there. Um, but you know with us she doesn't know anything 
differently. Um, it's just on the weekends, this is what we're doing as a family, we go. Um, and so every, every weekend is a hunting, fishing, hiking, or helping with field work kind of thing. Um, we do technology, but we kind of make that the, this is what we're doing in the truck because we got to drive five hours. You know, um, there are days she wants to resist, but the funny part about it, and we've reflect a lot about it. Like I struggle to get her dressed sometimes this ice fishing is the worst. I absolutely love going ice fishing, but by the time I get her dressed, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted, you know, and she's fought me at every step. Mommy, this is too tight. Do I really need that many pairs of socks on? Seriously, mom, you know, and so like we already have that at five. So I can't wait for those teenagers we were always talking about. But, you know, I get her dressed, I get her out the door, you know, and then she she ends up absolutely loving it and having a ton of fun. Um, but we've tried super hard not to involve her in everything. I mean, she's done some dance, she's done some soccer, you know, but we've also tried to just prioritize that one day a weekend at least it's family time and it's typically family time outdoors. And I think because of that, while there's resistance in some levels, she's not at the stage yet to quite know other freedoms <laughs> um, and things she'd choose. Um, but at the same token, she also just knows that's what we do as a family. That That's that's how the Fiji flock kind of moves. And, and that's what that's what we do, so. The Fiji flock, I love that. <laughs> um, Kata, just kind of um, thinking a little bit more about your role as a chapter volunteer um, and kind of taking a step back um, from your personal, um, you know, life as a mother. Um, you know, we know that moms are often the activity planners um, for families. So, you know, any advice for other chapter volunteers out there? who might be listening in on this um, or those, you know, who are planning events and, and hosting events for youth and parents, um, what could we be doing to position those events in a different way that would really strongly resonate with more women, more mothers specifically, and more families? Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky with our chapter board members because we have um, every single one of us are in a different um, time of our lives. Um, we have moms, we have um, younger girls. And um, <clears throat> what, what we're always trying to do is that youth events are so important for us. Um, where when we focus on these, these events for kids, um, so there, I would say there are two age groups that you can plan an event for. It's the younger ones, the five to eight, nine, ten-year-olds, and then the preteen teenagers. Um, where for the younger ones, so the older kids will never want to hang out with the young kids, especially for their siblings. They're the most embarrassing, embarrassing creatures in the world. Um, they're more likely to help someone else's younger child um, versus their own sister or brother. Um, and what I've noticed that with mine at least is that when we have these events where for the young kids, we'll, we'll plan um, a, a easy fishing by the pond or a hiking treasure hunt where they have to find some animal footprints or leaves or flowers um, and a picnic. Um, and the bigger kids, the, the teenagers, preteens, the deep sea fishing, that they can do something more adulty, if that makes sense. Um, where they can feel that they're more responsible, um, 
preserve hunts, I think, are perfect for the, the the youngsters, just because, again, it's something that they're more responsible, they're more treated like adults, and um, and the little kids are not there. <laughs> Do you but think I it's think, important to bring in the parents with those events too, and just help you know educate them potentially if they if they don't have that background? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it goes back to the, what I was saying earlier too, is that do it with the kids. Well, any, you know, as we're kind of coming up here on, on an hour, this has been an incredible episode. Um, you know, any clothing, closing thoughts um, from both of you, you know, specifically, you know, maybe what's one big takeaway or you know, words of wisdom that you want other mothers to know about getting kids in the outdoors. And Susan, let's start with you. There's a couple of things here. I'm, I'm not going to maybe make it one, but a, a couple of themes that should, at least in my mind, come out. Um, don't wait to take them out. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think it gets harder. Um, if they know it or don't know anything differently, I think, you know, it, well, it seems like a Herculean task when you're taking out little tiny people, um, even babies, and you may get really interesting looks from people um, on that process. It, it actually, it's challenging in the moment, but in hindsight, taking them along early on sets a precedent for um, your family and for for them about a lifestyle. And, and it also allows you to keep your identity there. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, when I, I said I was pregnant with Kaylee or, you know, or if I tell them like I'm, I'm pregnant, you know, people look at you weird, like, oh my gosh, you should stop hunting or you should stop. No, I'm not stopping that just because of this, you know, that's who I am. And so I think not waiting is a really important thing. Like just, it's scary as all get out. You'll screw up. It's okay. Um, but just go try it, you know, get out there. And the second part of that is have, a, you have to adjust your definition of success. If the harvest is something there or you're still in different maturation stages as a hunter, it, you know, it, it's a little bit more challenging there where you're more willing to make the sacrifices that you slow down, you attend to the needs of the kid, you deal with the pink shirt or you, the crinkly Dorito bag, right? Um, just because you made it out. And so one of my biggest words of wisdom to everybody is think about what your definition of success is. Did I just go? Okay. Um, your definition of success is think about that carefully and define it for that day. And then also think about once you get there, is that even realistic? Um, you know, am I asking too much of myself, of the family, you know? Um, and I think surrounding yourself by good people. I mean, one, I have an amazing husband who drags me sometimes out there too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly do this. I haven't slept. I haven't whatever, you know. Um, but also, you know, I found that like the PFQF family has been so welcoming when I bring Kaylee along, you know, surround yourself by people who are accepting of that too. Like, you know, if your hunting community isn't that, you might not be in the right hunting community for what you need for those days. So I think a lot of it is perspective and expectations and being able to adjust those, you know, with each stage of your child's development, each stage of your development as a mom, um, and even each day, you, you know, you might go out there thinking this is, this is it. You've been watching those gobblers. Everything's going to happen. No, no, not usually. That <laughs> way, right. Um, and, and so there's, there's those pieces of it, I think, but just do it, just get out there. Um, 
you know, it might be scary, it might be weird, in unknown, but you'll make the best of it and then reflect, you know, what went well, what didn't, and why. And then probably about time you figure that out, they'll change and you'll need to do it differently again. But <laughs> that's just how it is. Yeah, that's wonderful, Susan. I think it's you touched on something that's you know really important for for parents to remember is that a lot of the times when we have our kids outside, it's it's about them, it's about the experience for them. And and sometimes we have to check ourselves when we have our own mind up of how that's supposed to look or what we want out of it. And if if they're having fun twirling in a field in a blaze pink shirt and that's what matters to them, then that's a successful day out. Um, and so sometimes just changing our expectations. Katya, what about you? What are some, some big takeaways or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, pretty much what Susan was saying too, is that I would add just, you know, go with the flow, whatever comes. The, what she was saying about the expectations that if, if you don't get what you went out for at the end of the day, you did get more than what you came for because you had the experience and, and the love of the outdoors for the kids. Um, and then just go with them. I, I think that's the, one of the most important things is that they see you do it with them. It's not just them doing it. It's not just you doing it. It is even if they're just sitting next to you and not shooting or not doing anything uh, hunting wise, they're doing it with you. So I think those those would be my my two most important things is to slow down and go with the flow and do it with them. Yeah, beautiful. Well said, both of you. Well, thank you both so very, very much for joining us today. Um, that's a wrap on this special edition of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. Um, not only thank you to our special guests here and, um, you know, Bob St. Pierre for, for letting us take the reins and steal the show for a day, uh, but thanks to all the moms out there who are raising the next generation of conservationists, who did raise this generation of conservationists. Um, it's it's inspiring to know all the incredible women out there who are making a difference. And because this is a Mother's Day feature, we've got a special sign off for you. So instead of following the bird dog, remember to always follow your kiddos outside to see what you can find. Thank you for tuning in and take care. <laughs>